Mr. and Mrs. American All Ships at Sea. This is Ed Sheehan for Colony Confidential. What's up, everybody? It's Joey Sauce, you know, the brains. We're here once again from Insperity. Thank you for coming back, Larry. It was good speaking with you last time. We're looking forward to getting into it again. Great. Thanks for having me back. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. So we were just talking about that you heard some of the stuff that we were speaking on about adversity and whatnot. So we recently spoke about the economic downturns and adversity. Do you have any advice during this time for entrepreneurs? When it comes to adversity, when a crisis strikes, some are able to rise up and some kind of get buried and fall. And to me, it all depends on preparation and thinking about it ahead of time and building some of the contingency plans and having them in place in anticipation. That really is the key. This would fall under a disaster recovery plan to a certain extent, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And part of the preparation is not just, hey, doing a few quick tweaks, but it is that I like to look at the three aspects of culture, people, and systems. Okay. For example, I've heard you talk about, Joseph, I heard you talk about how you have tried to build your business so you don't have to be there all the time. You can go to Pest World, you can go to Hawaii for a week, and the business is going to continue to function. And it's that same aspect of uh, being able to deal with difficulties that hit your business. And that is, is you take the time to build the culture so that people know how to act and they know how to treat each other and they know how to treat your customers, even during difficult times. And then the people you hire, how important is that? How important that you have a right-hand man or woman who, you know, cares about the business, you know, as much as you do and is able to lead it. And then all the other key people that go along with that. And then, of course, systems are all about working ahead of time of, what to do if this happens, how to go down this process and the systems are in place so that when you have good people, you can put them in the system, a good system, and you've really got a great functioning business. Those are the foundational things. There's a few things we can talk about in a moment, maybe that you can do when the crisis hits, but yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's spot on. I think the systems is huge. And I think what you said about everybody always, there's a famous line from training day, this is chess, not checkers. But I think the whole chess mindset about looking ahead and yeah. playing out scenarios, COVID, if COVID taught us anything, the world can change at a moment's notice, which I think we, I think as entrepreneurs, most people understand that, but it is, I think you're right. It's foresight. One of the main things in our strategic initiatives that was always on my list, just as something to remember is foresight to always look what's going to happen. What's this? What if we do this? What's the effect of that? What if this happens? What if that? The same thing you're talking about. Let's look ahead and how we're going to handle that. We know the Jets game is coming up on a Sunday night, and we know technicians A and C always call out after a Sunday night, Monday night, (laughs) Tuesday night Jets game, right? Let's remember this. We saw this pattern. We know we're going to be down three guys next Monday. There you go. We planned for that. It's on such a smaller scale, but once you start to identify those things, like you said, and put those systems in place and having the right people, because the hardest part with this economic downturn and current adversity is also people's mindset and that dirty word that most people don't like to talk about, depression seeps in. Inflation is up. Everybody may not be with the finances 100%. And now you have that, even if you had the right people and the right culture, 
you have all of this applying that pressure. Like now it's really more, it's people time, right? And to invest right. in them and boost them up. And you may not be able to pay them more because as an entrepreneur, we're seeing things going up 30%. You cross the board sometimes, but maybe you could do something simple like gift cards or something along that line to help ease the economic pain that your team is feeling. Because you can't give everybody a 20% raise. The other thing is that if you build the loyalty of your employees during good times by just doing some of these little extra things, that loyalty will really pay off when we're going through some difficult times. And then on top of that, loyal employees produce loyal customers, okay? Because they're the ones that are the face out to the customers. And so if they're loyal to you, they're going to build that same loyalty by taking care of their customers. It's just a process of that, if you can call it rolling down the hill in a positive way, some positive momentum that takes place in that regard. I couldn't agree more. We just need to, between COVID and now the economic downturn, it's just, it's really been like beating a dead horse. Yeah. So. Let me ask, can I ask this? How much do the entrepreneurs listening, how much do they stay in touch with their customers? In other words, Maybe during difficult times, economic difficult times, is face that as well as individuals, whether you got commercial accounts or whether you got individual accounts that you're servicing, that might be the time to just call on your customers, not to sell them anything more, but just to check in with them. And if you come with other services, other maybe as you talk to them, you might find out they need other service providers that they're struggling with, and you have a network of people that you, you just become a resource to them. You don't call them to sell them something. You call them just to check in on them. And I think that builds loyalty in your customers over long-term. We're doing something in the cigar lounge. We pick certain industries and the decision makers come and they get to meet each other and then they have an extra resource in their field. And I've always told people part of the beauty of that is when they become friends and they help each other out. They are also remembering, how did I meet this person? Oh, shit. Colony Pest, right. All right. Yeah, I got to make sure I get them some more business. So that's usually how it happens. I'll get an email six months from, oh, me and such have become good friends. I hired his cousin. They just gave us work. And it's, very, it's what you're talking about. But I see what you're saying even now. So to, pick, to dive in even deeper, who maybe you haven't touched. Yeah, we call those loyalty meetings. Okay, because what you're doing is you're bringing together customers. And they have a sense of appreciation for you doing that, but you're also bringing them together for them to get to know each other. It's not all about you getting more business, but it's about you serving them, giving them a great environment where they can really thrive and meet some good quality people. And it just mushrooms into good things happen from those meetings, don't they? The other thing too about these cigar nights, usually when you know you meet these people, you're out wherever it is in the hospital, in a nursing home for whatever reason, you're meeting them now on, they're not so busy, you're not so busy, and now we can talk, and I'm going to use the word more of an intimate relationship, you get to know each other on a different level, and I always found it very appreciative, and you get to see them in a different level. Yeah, and from eight to five or whatever you term your business hours, we tend to be on guard. We tend to want to just focus our time and, and be diligent and, and be on guard, whether we're dealing with a vendor or a partner or whatever. But when you get put in that environment, in the cigar room, the guard's down and you can get to know the real person and build that relationship. And then that relationship will pay, that loyalty will pay off. 
in the future for sure. Yeah, absolutely. In good ways. Yeah, basically, you have the same problems on a personal level. You talk about this, my kids, this, that, yeah. whatever. It's a whole different, let like say, different level. Yeah. It becomes more personal and they realize you're not just whatever their preconceived notions were of you <laughs> and vice versa. You realize everybody's a human and a person. And then you're like, oh my goodness, we have common interests. And then that's another reason to bring more than one person because you have me with my interests, you have him with his interests, you have Chris and maybe our service manager, customer service manager. So if they don't necessarily bond with me or him, at least there's that group mixing around. Can you not bond with me? Easily. Oh. I was forced as your child. Otherwise, <laughs> probably not. So it works when you have more people like that, because I'll never forget when we took over the Brooklyn Nets, the guy in charge of the whole thing was a Quinnipiac graduate. And Chris got his MBA from Quinnipiac. And I was like, Chris, you're going to talk to him. Yeah. Quinnipiac, whatever, go do your homework. Chris went on the website. They're both in alumni. So that was Chris's guy. I was like, I'm going to still talk to him. But you, that's a, your immediate alumnus bond. He works with Detroit Pistons now. And we actually both stay in contact with him. Yeah. How that works is pretty amazing. All right. We're talking about the service industry, dealing with day-to-day stuff in the service industry. Obviously, things move quickly. Do you have any tips on how to shift away from like a reactive mindset? You know what? I've got an incredible game plan for doing that. Okay. It is flawless. There's one problem though with my game. It reminds me of Mike Tyson quote. Okay. He says, everybody has a great game plan until they get hit in the face. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. You do start with a good game plan. Okay. But realize on any given day, you're going to get hit in the face and there's going to be things that are going to be happening. Being reactive is just, is part of it. But the mindset begins with, I think what I've heard you talked about, Joseph, at some point you determined that you want to have time to work on the business and not always 100% of the time be working in the business. And there's a huge difference there. Working on the business means you're helping to build the culture, develop the people, develop the systems, in a sense, working above it so that when issues come up, you've got people in place and you've got systems in place to react to it. But just realize you start with that commitment, but it's going to take time. Okay, there's a compounding effect that can get you there, but you've just got to be determined that your self-worth, your self-worth is not based on doing the work. Okay, you've got people that can do the work and really letting go and letting them do that and develop themselves is not easy to do. I think letting go is the hardest part. That's tough. That's tough. And then also I've let go, right? My team is running the whole thing. I'm still involved, but now the next challenge is letting my team let go a little bit of certain things. We're growing and now you can't do all of what you did, but then part of my whole thing is you don't do everything the way I would do it, but you get the job done. The job is done well and we leave it alone. Yeah. The example is I've got a a granddaughter. She's six and a half months old and you know that's a pretty short period of time. She's gone from being born and being completely helpless to now crawling around, sitting up and getting all over the place. So she started out by scooting and then she'd try to pull herself up and then she'd try to to sit up. And, And I always wanted to help her out when she was struggling on something. I wanted to help her out. 
but that's actually the worst thing I could do, right? Okay. She struggles and she keeps trying and she keeps trying. And every week I see her as, wow, she's doing new things. And that, that goes a long way, what you just said. And not only when they're six months old, six years, 16 years old, in their twenties. Yeah. Same thing. You screwed it up. How are you going to fix it? Yeah. As parents, we want to protect them and you know, that, and that's not always the best thing to do. No, you got into it and it's all a learning process quickly. Joe and his brother came to me one day and said that we need $10 to go to the movies on Saturday. So I said, all right, Saturday morning, you get up at six o'clock and you guys will work for five hours and I'll give you 10 bucks. And Joey always had the big mouth. <laughs> Our father's, my friend's father gives him money. I come go see your friend's father. You're going to earn the money. They hated me. Now they tell me that was a really good lesson. Gets to where you're still involved in the business, Joe, but it gets to where your involvement in the business is coaching and advising, right? Yeah. Yeah. But th- like teaching. I like to be called a professor. <laughs> <laughs> so the game plan, having a game plan, like you, you were saying to move away from the reactive mindset. Yeah. And we've already touched on it, but it's the same concept of culture, people, and systems. That's when I say working on the business and preparing your business to be able to react to whatever happens and also prepare your business, not just to be reactive, but to be innovative and to grow. It all comes down to culture, people, and systems. Hey, can I ask you, how would you describe your culture? What words would you use to describe it? Team. I would say team-centric would be it. You know what? I've, is the culture is a re- reflection of the person at the top. If the person at the top, the person that runs the business, if they have a team mindset, it's going to infiltrate the entire company. If they're a person of character and integrity, telling the truth, doing what's right, everybody's going to pick that up. And if they're not comfortable with that kind of culture, they're going to either cause some trouble or they're going to move on. But if you want to improve your culture, I would say to entrepreneurs and CEOs and business owners, first look at yourself. And it might be self-improvement that needs to happen. And that will filter down in regards to your culture. We might have spoken about this the last time, but back I want to say seven, eight years ago, we realized that we were more focused on the customer and we decided to shift to, to the team. I went somewhere and heard someone say it and it just clicked for me. If you have happy team members that enjoy working with you, you don't need to worry about customer service. They are going to go above and beyond anything that you could imagine if they are happy where they're working. Part of our culture in the handbook is integrity, things of loyalty, honesty, integrity, and quality. But then really the real culture is about the team and making sure that they have everything that they need and want to work-life balance, all of that stuff. You got to take care of the horses that are pulling the wagon. Yeah. Good times. You advise business owners to think about extraordinary advancement. Let's just get into that. What do you mean by that? What can they do? The first thing I encourage people to focus on it, it's to think about extraordinary advancements. Okay. So because thinking predates actions, 
and then actions predates outcomes. So it all starts with thinking. So first of all, thinking about extraordinary advancements, it's really a gift that we have to just be able to think about such things. Where we live here in America, it really is true that we have opportunities of abundance and you can almost, you can literally almost achieve anything you can put your mind to, but it has to start with at least putting your mind to it. Okay. And I'll tell you a story. Our CEO and our founder, who still leads the company, it was about this time of year in 1985, during the holiday seasons of 85, him and his business partner had just been selling for a company that went out of business. And so they found themselves completely out of income and unemployed. And they had started multiple businesses. Some had done okay and a lot had failed. But they got together and said, wow, we would love to start another business, but our wives won't let us, okay? We've done it too many times. We've failed too many times. Our wives just want us to go get a steady job. So they're sitting at the holidays and they're thinking about what to do. They go, let's do this. If we were to start a business, what would it look like? Okay. And they started writing it down. The corporate culture would be like this. The people would be like this, whatever. They just wrote it all out. But they started off with, hey, we're not going to do it. Okay. We're not going to do it. Our wives won't let us. But if we did, what would it look like? And so here we are with Insperity and whatever it is, 36 years later, and it all started with those kind of thoughts. People are scared to do this kind of stuff, but get away, stick your head in the cloud. You don't have to tell anybody. No one needs to know about it, but just start to dream and think big about incredible advancements and a life that you really enjoy. Okay, let's take it a little bit further, okay? The other thing that it does is it activates this part of your brain that's called the reticular activating system. The reticular activating system is like a bouncer at a really high-end bar. It determines what you let in to your conscious mind and what you don't. So, for example, if I would say, look around the room right now and notice everything that's blue. Okay, what I just did is I activated your reticular activating system in your brain to notice everything that's blue. So when you start by thinking of extraordinary things, then you can almost just come back and live your regular life and go on. But your brain is going to start picking up ways in which you can take actions to move you in that direction. And so the whole journey of your life begins to take on a different trajectory. And you don't even have to work hard at it. You don't have to set these big lofty goals. Just think about the extraordinary advancements that you have and see what it does to your life journey. I think entrepreneurs, by definition, are doing that to a certain extent. I think it just gets harder and harder as you grow, right? I'm going to add this part. We do annual strategic leadership meeting, which is what they want to do for the year, what they want to change, what they want to improve. But I've never said, give me extraordinary stuff and make it that crazy. And then the annual meeting is... Everybody presents what they want to do, and we tweak it all together. Every department gives in, input on your 20-minute presentation. We talk about how we could potentially get it done. Can marketing help? Can customer service help? Can operations help? Everybody gives their two cents, and we refine it. And then your ideas are put on the strategic initiatives for 2023. And then we meet monthly 
for progress. And of course, throughout the year, certain things are added, but it's basically the same thing. We track it throughout the year to make sure you're getting, you're the service department and you need, one of the things that the service manager came up with was this year, Christmas and New Year's both fall on a Sunday and he wanted to give the team off the following Monday. So we tried to figure it out, how we would do it, how many people we need. We just went through the whole thing of figuring it out. But I am this extraordinary, I'm going to use these words for them for our January meeting. Hopefully we'll get some crazy out of the box stuff that we got to work on. Yeah. And I'd say every business needs to do that. That is a real essential to getting your people together and getting them planning and thinking about goals and great achievements. But I've found is you really got to give them some permission to come up with some crazy ideas or some incredible advancements. We think about typical first grade class. When the teacher asks a question, all the students raise their hand. They all want to be acknowledged. They all want to be the one that answers the question. But then you go to the sixth grade class, the teacher asks a question and one or two of them raise their hands. Why? It's because they've been beat down over it. They find out that maybe what they say is stupid, or maybe the kids start to make fun of them and whatever. So think about your particular meeting. You might say, can someone come up with an idea where everybody says it's crazy? Okay. (laughs) And just have fun with it. One who comes up with the craziest idea, I'll buy him a beer tonight or buy him a steak or whatever. Just have fun with it. But you got to almost give them that permission to really take it to the next level in that regard. And like you said, create that safe space where anybody that's been told that they weren't good enough or whatever's been beaten into them through school and whatnot, just eliminate that. Another good question. I always used to have a meeting, you'd be talking about something, you go around, what would you do? Tell me what you would do in this situation. And, and then you get one or two guys that come up, okay, something to think about. Maybe we could work on it. Let's expand on it and stuff. But your guys or your gals that are out in the field are seeing stuff that you don't see. So they may come up with a different idea how to handle it. But I always like to ask, what would you do in this situation? Yeah, and sometimes, matter of fact, there's studies that say to find out what's really at the heart of what they feel or what they think, you got to ask the question in in different subtle ways up to seven times, okay? Because that's the way we are, because they usually give you a surface answer at first. Then you go, okay, is there anything else? Is there another angle we can take or whatever? And and that really helps them to open up in that regard. You got anything extraordinary yourself there? Some extraordinary ideas, bro? Probably nothing that I wouldn't be cut off for. (laughs) Do I have any extraordinary ideas? Listen, I wrote it down in big letters here. Give me a little time. It might take me a day or two. This is you know, extraordinary ideas just don't pop into your head. They you don't. And, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. The team meetings are great. They need to happen every year. But I'm really talking about the entrepreneur, the business owner themselves. And you got to get away. You got to find some place. I call it putting your head in the clouds right. and give yourself the freedom. Take advantage of the gift to just to think about what if I were you know, to do this and accomplish this, it could be related to your business. It could be related to your relationship with your family, your kids, or it might be just to give yourself a permission to do that. Yeah. And you don't have to tell anybody. And you start off with, like I mentioned before, this will probably never happen, but wouldn't it be great if this, and then you think about it and you write it down and you never know what might happen. You know, you're absolutely right. 
It's good to get away for a while, but I'm going to get away. Where am I going to get? I'm going to get into my yard. I'm going to rake leaves. And after I rake the leaves, I'm going to have a drink and smoke a cigar. And I'm going to think of it. What's extraordinary? If I don't get it today, I'll try tomorrow. Or maybe I'll wake up in the middle of the night. Whatever. These ideas, you don't know when they're going to come out of the blue. But as long as you're looking for them or they're on your mind, it's not like all day I got to think of this thing. No. Get nice and relaxed, get comfortable. And I, I think the idea is, and Patrice touched on this, once you start thinking like that, you open the mindset to, to grow. Even if, like you said, I don't have to do these things, but you're thinking about them and then all of a sudden you're doing it. It's kind of fun too. It's a little frustrating when you're looking for extraordinary stuff, but when you find it, oh my God. This is so, this is better than ice cream. <laughs> so for me, many years ago, when I was getting into business, I went through this exercise and I started thinking about what if I was the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company? And so I left that and I find my, myself, when I went to the bookstore, I started reading books, even though I was like a, a sales rep, I was a nobody in a sense, from a business standpoint, I started to read books, how to think like a CEO. And I started to prepare myself. I've never been a CEO of a multi-billion dollar business, but I'm a better person for going through that process and better prepared for what I do now. So there's, there's not rules to it. You don't have to do it on this day and you don't have to do it on this way. You can do it while you mow your lawn and rake leaves. That's incredibly therapeutic and your brain is relaxed. And now that we've activated that reticular part of your brain to think about extraordinary achievements, it's going to pop up sometime. You can't help it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, and you know, they got me really thinking. Sometimes you come up with these extraordinary ideas that don't work out. Yeah. But you got, you got to lick your wounds. And what's another idea? But as I think about it, maybe something on that idea that failed, one part of it worked and it fits the puzzle with the other one. So it's, I don't know, it's, you're, all, you're always thinking, but extraordinary ideas, you need time alone. And not like you're in the office or anything like that. You just got to be alone. And I used to call, what, I used to say, I'm going to the library. Anybody calls, I'm in the library. And I disappear somewhere and think about a problem. It wasn't an extraordinary, this was not an extraordinary event. This was a pain in the ass event that I had to figure it out. What are we going to do? I don't know. It's just time alone solves a lot of figure. You can figure out a lot of problems. And that goes back to working on and not in. I got it. Very true. So you just mentioned w one book. But what are some of your favorite books that you could recommend to some of our entrepreneurs? In regards to what is really my passion is personal development. Anything, really anything by Tony Robbins, I think is great. Personally, I never want to go to one of the seminars because I don't like to jump around and scream and stuff like that. My wife went to one and she loved it and she gets a little irritated that I don't want to go, but that's not really my thing. But his books have really good content, really good things to read. So I recommend all of his stuff. There's a guy named Jay Abraham. You can Google Jay Abraham. He's all about helping entrepreneurs to really innovate, think about new ways to expand revenue, generates lots of incredible ideas, a guy named Jay Abraham. Right now, I'm reading a book called Grit, G-R-I-T, Grit, by a lady named Angela Duckworth. 
And really, when you think about it, you need this book because I've always thought my personal capabilities are pretty average. But one thing that separates average people from everybody, everything else is their grit and their tenacity. As long as you persevere, you're going to achieve what, you know, your mind has set yourself to achieve. And so it talks a lot about that. It's really a good book. Yeah. One of the books that started changing my thought process about certain things in business was Start With Why. Reading it and every huge company out there started with that question. And it began to change with realizing, identifying people as why or how people, basically people with the ideas or people that are going to be able to do and realizing that those are two different kinds of people. Just because I have the idea doesn't mean I can implement it. And then getting the right person to implement it was key. So that was a good, I listened to that book and I read it. It's not easy to find time to read, but someone advised me a long time ago is never waste time when you're driving around in your car, especially by yourself. Don't waste time. Your automobile can be your own university. You don't need a degree from college. You're probably better off looking through all the content on podcasts and just feeding your mind. What's your favorite business book, Sheen? <laughs> Have you read one? Lately? Yeah, yeah, Sun Tzu. That's but, such a listen, generic Brooklyn answer, you know that? Yeah, but yes, I'm telling you the truth. You don't like it, okay. All right. We've talked about working in the business or working on the business, and Michael Gerber wrote the E-Myth that really started that movement. So that's another one, the E-Myth, that is specifically written for entrepreneurs and small business owners. It's called the E-Myth? Yeah, the E, like entrepreneur, E-Myth. And it's all about how entrepreneurs usually start their businesses. If you're a good plumber, you want to start a plumbing business. And he talks about the importance of transitioning from being the technician into being the entrepreneur and gives some really good guidance there. His name's Michael Gerber. Yeah, that's the biggest part is that transition from sole technician to manager to president to CEO. So we spoke about a lot. Yeah. yeah you learned a couple of things. I am writing down here, mister. So taking once, notes. Once again. 200 podcasts, huh? That's amazing. 200 podcasts. We're still didn't beat the crap out of each other. You guys got an amazing story. Great stories. Thank you. You know what, Larry? That's partially probably why we are 200 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Never a dull moment. So listen, Larry, thank you again. Larry Schaefer from Insperity. If anybody wants to hear more on Larry, you can check him out on YouTube, Activating Your X Factor. Check Larry out, Activating Your X Factor on YouTube. Larry, any closing comments or anything you'd like to say? No, it's just been it's just been a privilege to speak with you guys. And I think as I mentioned last time, our view at Insperity is that entrepreneurs are the lifeblood of America. They're our economy heroes. They're the ones that really make our country great. So anything we can do to support entrepreneurs, we love to do it. Thank you, Larry. It's been a pleasure talking with you again. I look forward to doing it again in the future. All right, Mr. and Mrs. American Ownership at Sea. This is Ed Sheen for Colony Confidential. Until we meet again, God bless you. And this is Joey Sauce. Thank you again to Larry Schaefer and Sparity. We appreciate it. And thanks for listening.